Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is the conversation we had earlier in the week with Dr. Lorcan Sir, housing lecturer at TUD Dublin. I'm skipping ahead and putting it out now because as you can see, based on the latest homelessness figures, that uh, it is an absolute national disgrace that we've now almost 12,000 people homeless, including almost 3,500 children. And Lorcan will outline some of the reasons why home ownership has become such a problem and why I think it's beyond any doubt that the state are overcounting or perhaps forward counting the number of houses that they've built. My concern being that how do you tackle a crisis if you're not even working off accurate data? I also want to ask you to help support this podcast. So if you can, please click the link that's in the pod. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise Try it for a month. That's all I'm asking. It makes all the difference and keeps these conversations going. I'll stop rabbiting on now. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we were supposed to be speaking, Martin, to our friend Joe Pina in Portugal, but he's actually been called into bloody po- politicians and politics to get put, called into meetings. So uh, so unfortunately, we couldn't get Joe. What, in Portugal? Yeah, they, were, they literally said we have something. Jesus and and he, he took the time to send me a WhatsApp with a frowny face. And I think that was his way of saying he's not I'm coming. Probably opening a legal or something, you know. <laughs> But anyway, um, look, but, but that's not to say that our our, our guest we our, our guest is a replacement guest. Far from it. Right? Not at all. No, no, no. This is a one of a kind. I just realized there is like nearly 150 years worth of experience on this podcast. That's between the two of you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh listeners will be well aware of our guest today is he's uh the the uh dr lorcan sir from tud dublin housing housing lecturer uh lorcan it's been the first time we spoke to you this year but how are you keeping anyway yeah i'm good thanks yeah i'm uh, look life can't be too bad at this early afternoon i'm sitting at home in my nice chair chatting to you guys so it's better than having a real job so i'm, yeah. I'm quite happy thanks and very it much. is yeah, a swish chair it yeah. is, it is yeah. like if constantine sees that he's going to want to be on that with the cat he's <laughs> just going to want to be <laughs> it, 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 it settles for heading up the mountains listen the the genesis of this was actually comes back to when we first had you on the podcast back in 2017 it's a long time going back i'd say it was probably around episode 15 and lorcan we're coming up on an episode a thousand shortly so um you've been quite productive yeah, yeah. We've, we've been busy but just tony uh, has been tony yeah. has been <laughs> but but can i can i say to you do you recall at the time there was controversy that yourself uh mel reynolds and, and orla hegarty had been raising how housing statistics were being fudged by using you know esb connections as the metric for new builds uh, and i do recall and and i think it was the what's at some stage it was simon coveney said you know well this is how we all we did it so this is how we'll always do it and then Owen murphy came into the into the job and he said um i think he said something kind of i won't say derogatory but he was kind of dismissive on the airwaves about you i think particularly uh on how it was but they came around to your way of thinking at least we thought they did lorcan yeah so what happened um was back in early 2017 myself and, and two architects mel reynolds and orla hegarty had suspected for a long time that the numbers of houses that we were being told were being built every year was being overestimated and we thought okay there's something wrong here and we did a deep dive into some of the databases that are available and we reckoned they had been severely overcounting the houses now Simon Coven was the Minister for Housing at the time and we wrote an article myself from now in the Irish Times saying highlighting our fears and Simon Coven wrote 
what is possibly the longest letter ever sent into the Irish Times that they had to cut back and it still ended up at about 400 words uh, in April 2017, dismissing us uh, totally out of hand. And actually at a press conference shortly afterwards, Simon Coveney dismissed my lazy academic journalism, he called it. Um, I wasn't even at the press conference, so that, that's pretty poor form to have a go with someone when they're not even in the room. Uh, but there was a couple of journalists who texted me and said, you won't believe what the minister is saying about you. So Coveney obviously didn't believe us and didn't want to believe us, I suppose. the What was happening is the Department of Housing had the job of counting houses. And the way they did it was when a, when a house was built, when it got connected to the ESB grid and was powered, it was counted as a new house. The problem that we suspected was there was loads of in-house, in-houses, outhouses, cat houses, sheds, you know, dog houses were being connected with an ESB connection, you know, to be used as workshops or for lighting for horses or whatever. Uh, and they were being counted as a new house. And also anything that was vacant for more than two years has, for safety reasons, has to get a new ESB connection. They were being counted. And at the time, remember, we had like something like 30,000 ghost estate houses that had been built years before and were slowly but surely coming back into the market. So they were talking about 2011 to 2017, that kind of period. And so we suspected this. And anyway, Simon Coveney, dismissed uh, myself and Mel and my lazy academic journalism in the Sunday Times and all that kind of stuff. And so when Owen, ha- when Owen, not Owen Harris, <laughs> when Owen Murphy took over, imagine mm-hmm. Owen Harris, when Owen Murphy took over, he kind of dismissed it as well. We had to give him a clip around the ears on Morning Ireland as well, one morning. Uh, and in fairness to Owen Murphy, he, he did text me and apologise for, for for speaking so badly about me when I wasn't there, which is more than Simon Coveney did. Uh, and he gave the job of counting houses away. He took it away from the Department of Housing and he gave it to the CSO. So the CSO refined the metric, you know, so to, to not include dog houses, in houses, cat houses, out houses, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and we thought we had it right. So we thought kind of CSO were on the ball here and we had a much more accurate reading of houses. So what happened ultimately in that period of time was the CSO came back and said, actually, we didn't build the 84,000 houses that Simon Coveney said. We built 53,000. So they overestimated by 58%. Uh, and so that was fine. ESB kept going with it until now and that's the way they do it they have a refined process whereby they are able to filter out the kind of detritus extraneous esp connections so we thought it was all going well and we 14,000 17,000 20,000 and last year 29,000 and a half something like that uh, houses that were built well, only we didn't only we didn't yeah well it looks like we didn't anyway so there's a company called cis construction information services i think and they're a private company that do software for builders and stuff like that but they obviously had a suspicion that there was something wrong last year. Now, we had already kind of suspected because it jumped from 20,000, 20,200 or whatever in 2021 to 29,000 in 2022. So it was like nearly a 50% jump in COVID, you know, or coming out of the end of COVID, in COVID and coming out of COVID, which was a lot given all the problems that apparently we had with COVID. So CIS went through a trial of what's called the Building Control Management System. So for listeners who don't know what that is, when you, when you start building a house, you have to lodge a notice with the local authority to give them between 14 and 28 days notice that you're going to start building so that if they want, they can send an inspector out to kind of make sure you're doing it right and all that kind of stuff. And when you finish then, you lodge into this building control management system, the BCMS, you lodge a completion certificate. You can't occupy a building legally without lodging one of those. And that's an architect, an engineer, or a building surveyor will sign off the house and say it's been built in accordance with all the regulations. It's good to go. And there's, we've lodged it. So by counting the completion certificates, we know what's built in the, in the in the country. Now, there are one-off exemptions for one-off houses, but we know that about 98% of one-off houses, when they lodge their, their exemption cert, their op, opt-out notice, it's called, when they lodge that, it turns into a house the next year. So in the BCMS, we have a really good idea of how many houses were being built. So this company, CIS, went 
to the BCMS and trawl through it. He, he, the guy who runs it, he's assigned a few people to trawl through it. And they came up with not 29,500, but 23,500. And there was a difference of about 6,000, exactly 6,100 houses using units between the CSO and CIS. Now, the interesting thing here was the CSO and Leo Varadkar were straight out of the traps dismissing CIS and saying, no, those guys are wrong. And every time we have some good news, somebody wants to bring us in. Let's see, I guess I have no interest in bringing, you know, being political or, you know, having to go with Dara Brian and Target. And to be honest with you, I don't need either. I just like some facts and some data. And they said that... Well, Logan, can I just... Before, I need to push in and say, if you're hmm. going to actually have targets and then you're not... And you're measuring them incorrectly, you're never going to achieve your target. That's... Well, of course not, yeah. But, like, well, they'll they achieve them, but it won't be real houses. So, so the, the, the CSO said, oh, you know, in counting the houses, the, these CIS people have missed all the one-off houses, five and a half houses, one-off houses. Actually, I got the data from CIS, and the biggest, the 6,100 difference is nearly all accounted for in urban areas. And what do we build in urban areas? Apartments. So mm-hmm. it's not one-off houses. So it's beginning to look like we have 6,100 apartments out there that are connected to the ESP. In other words, they all have their own NPRN or meter number, um, but they won't have a certificate of completion. In other words, they're not legal to occupy, and the, the, the local or the BCMS hasn't been notified that they've been finished. Now, that seems highly unlikely, but also in the world of data, in the fairyland world of housing data in Ireland, counting housing, anything is likely, anything is possible. But, you know, the point, I suppose the point about it is, is that the, the I think the CSO have got it wrong, and what it looks like, to me, is that somebody is being naughty and counting houses as being completed when they're not. In other words, the CSO are counting anything that's connected to the ASB as being a completed house, when actually it's not. It isn't really. I mean, it is in their terms if it's connected, but actually the reality of, of it is it might be connected uh, to the ASB and therefore counts as a new house in their terms, but it's illegal to occupy, so it's useless, effectively. Mm. And so, uh, no, so no, self, no, no, yeah. unless unless you're Sinn Fein, um, remember the art Carly, you can still occupy them based on uh, Mr. Mackey's file in the ditch. Please don't sue me, Sinn Fein. But nonetheless, <laughs> can, can I ask, Logan, do they get to count it then again the next year in completions? Well, it's a, if they. That's a good question. So, in other words, if 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 the ESB counted it one year as a connection as a new house, and the BCMS counted it the next year yes. as a completion, well, the interesting thing about the CSO was, I think Owen O'Brien asked them, have they been tracking their CSO connection output alongside the building control, the BCMS, the building management system, and they said no. Now they should have been doing that, really. Uh, to kind of measure to see how accurate they've been doing, but they seem to have just gone down the like a, like a ESPs. kind of I'm, I'm worst case scenario person, and if they've done one thing, uh, my gut instinct says you have to look at the other thing as well. Yeah, no. In, in fairness, to see, I, I tend to jump to the defence of the CSO because, like, they're one of the last credible institutions that have. I'm been, not saying uh, CSO. Now. By, <laughs> I'm yeah. not saying the CSO is not credible. I mean, the data set they're using. Is not credible. Yeah, it's not. But the methodology, I think, is flawed. Using ESB connections, and uh, uh, you know, and there's no need to do that anymore because everybody now the B, the BCMS this system of sending in certificates of commencement and completion that started in 2014. So there's you know the reason it wasn't used or the reason we use ESB connections instead of that up until recently is that you know there could be building started in 2014 or before 2014 that would be captured by it. But that's nine years ago now. So nearly everything built started before 2014 is now, you know, well built. So the BCMS is probably the most accurate system we have. And it's also legally required, don't forget. 
And it also would mean that we wouldn't be counting houses that would be illegal to occupy. So right now we've 29,000, you know, and a half or 800-odd houses, but 6,100 of those look like they don't have a completion cert, which means they're illegal to occupy, which means they're useless, effectively. Um, so but, not, but, how, you know, but how could we have such a high volume of those in urban areas in apartments? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't have all the answers to this. To be honest with you, I was myself and Mel were kind of pulling out the gaps and kind of looking and seeing what, what is going on. I, 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 there probably, the reality is those 6,100 shouldn't be counted until 2023 when they're, you know, when they get a completion cert. So, effectively, so, what so, 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 we're forward counting. Yeah, like if from 2011 to 2017 or before that, we were overcounting. Uh, because we were looking to lots of houses when they were starting to be built, and then they got the first ESB connection, and then when they got the second ESB connection. So we were double counting. Now we're forward counting uh, housing. Now the problem there is, right, at the end of this year, there's going to be a fall off in, in housing output because commencement notices are down last year, and that a year later, that translates into reduced output uh, on, on site, basically. But it means that if you're using inaccurate or artificially high figures, the fall off is going to be even greater. Mm. Um, and so, you know, instead of having a decline maybe next year of, of 23,500 to 17,500, we might have a decline from of, you know, 29,000 to, to 17,500. And, and a slowdown might be mistaken then for a, a slowdown in the rate of growth might be taken for falling off a precipice. And that kind of stuff is very bad for, for investors or for the general perception of the economy. You know, that, oh, Jesus. It's also, it's also terrible for forward planning. Like, I mean, like, yeah. like, you can't, like, what do we say all the time on this podcast? What gets measured gets done. Saying it for, since we started. And, and if you're not measuring it correctly, Jesus, what, 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 what are we doing here? But, but, but like housing output also goes, it's also a constituent part of our GDP, for example. Mm. And the last time that myself and Mel and Orla corrected the, the, the department of this, I got them to correct themselves, shall we say, what would I be? Um, that, in theory, that affected our GDP. Now, there's a margin of error in the GDP. Uh, that meant that we didn't officially have to write into your stat and correct it. But the output, the, the difference in output was so great that it affected our GD, our national GDP. So housing output and getting it right is really, really important. It's a very short-term approach, uh, Lorcan, to just just not be honest about it. It's It's, you know, sooner or later, the dishonesty comes to light. So it's a terribly short-term approach. It's not even a five-year approach. It's it's uh, just literally kicking the can you've 18, down you've the 18, road. You've eighteen months where you can kind of have that. It's but political. You, this yeah. is all political, though, Mark. This is about look at me. I've got a target of thirty-three thousand houses to build every year, and I suddenly I've got twenty-nine thousand. We're on a roll now. We're going to get to thirty-six thousand in twenty twenty-three. Of course, we want to be seventy but, or eighteen, twenty thousand. I need I need to I need to come in on that point because. I recall again going back to 2017. We weren't in this room where I'm sitting now. We were downstairs in the kitchen after having a coffee, and you were showing us how along the wall you kind of drew a, a pretend um, uh, graph, and you said if you could picture this, this is this a level of say where the electorate are, this is where home ownership levels are, and this is where we've gone, and we've done more damage to the home ownership levels in like in the in a decade than most places had done in a couple of generations, and you were showing how how that has happened. Now, I put it to you that we then had the T-Shock, the most T-Shock in his most recent guise as T-Shock, um, Leo Vradkar, after he's returned to T-Shock, has said, oh, the levels of home ownership in Ireland now are, are, are concerning that it's gone down so much. 
Did you see this in the last couple of days? I did, but this is the very man who said to me when I said we're building too much units for rent and not enough for homology, he said, I don't care what gets built, but somebody's going to live in it. So, like, he's either very sensitive and thin-skinned and having to go at me because it was me who asked the question, or actually doesn't know what he's talking about. And either or both could be true. Well, I can only say on it, though. I thought it was horrendous. And again, Martin, you know I get upset about this, but, you know, he did have those comments where he talked about the, the situation and then he had the gall to turn around. And actually, I've, I've written down the quote where he said, so we've we've um, one of the quotes was around that he was concerned about the level of home ownership going down so so drastically under his tenure. He, did, he failed the ad, but he also said that if we extend the eviction ban, it'll create a new form of homelessness. He's created homelessness every year he's been in government. Well, the the other thing about that is, and, and this is a, a kind of I'll give you an exclusive here, uh, guys. What 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 people don't realise, and under Leo's watch and Michael Martin's watch and Leo's watch before that and Mendes' watch, what has happened is that for the first time ever last year we built more houses for built to rent, like expensive rentals, purpose built, than we built homes for sale. That's the first time in the history of the state that we have seen such a reduction in new housing that comes on the market for sale. And that's going to have a huge impact on home ownership. Because first time buyers quite often buy new homes. Um and you know that's there at the, the kind of cold face of the, the the sharp end of all this kind of stuff. Uh, and we're we're producing fewer and fewer less and less housing for these people uh, for everybody, new housing every year to buy. So that means that you have to turn to the second hand market if they can afford it and we see what house prices are doing there. So like under the under the last 10 years we've seen home ownership plummet. Uh, and we've seen the major housing plummet as well uh, coming to the market. So you know, it's kind of you can, it's kind of talking out of two sides of your mouth. You know, when you're saying concerned about home ownership, but I'm going to do bugger all about it. Mm. I do, I do remember Tony, and you'll probably remember there was a whole narrative. You'll remember this, look. There was a whole narrative at one stage that uh, you know rentals weren't bad. That young people really wanted to rent places. That they liked the freedom of moving around. Do you remember all of that? Uh, and that, <laughs> you know, it was just so shit. But you, you need a rental sector for people like, I know when I go to live abroad for a year, six months, you know, whatever, you need that kind of stuff. You know, people coming to a country, temporary accommodation, moving around. And, and it's always going to be seven, eight, nine, ten percent of your accommodation in or around the rental sector for lots of reasons. Family split up, right? It's usually the dad who needs, he's not going to buy a house straight away. And it's, you know, into, into rental accommodation, students, whatever. You need that kind of stuff. But home ownership is the bedrock of our society. Now, I'm not saying it's always good, and it, it, it isn't. There's lots of problems with too much home ownership. But we've seen it plummet from 81% to about 66% five, six years ago. So I'm dreading to see what it's going to be like in that, last year. Since. Say that, 80, 81 to 66 in, in a five-year window. No, no, not in a five-year period. In Since the, in the early 90s, we were over 80%, 81%, yes. something like that. And now in 2016 was the last census we were at 66 percent and i suspect it's going to be a lot lower it's going to be lower when, we, when they publish the next cso results yeah. which are yeah. this, and it's, it's it, a, but it's a bedrock if you if, if your listeners think about it right everybody in who's listening to this show and everybody in Ireland is on average is worth 200 grand right most people when they open their ptsb or their kbc app aren't going to find 200 grand there but a lot of people their wealth you know, for nearly everybody their wealth is in their houses that's a little bit of a question about history and home ownership was what was it uh back in 1915 home ownership was really low in 1915 it was it was very very low uh, because the vast majority of people rented but 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 it it also became it also grew uh, very quickly when 
when we like that was the big change was post was post 1916 in home ownership yeah well you start to get you start to find uh so marino is a good example right so yeah in the in the teens there we had lots of problems with houses collapsing diseases and tenements and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and dublin alone needed something like sixty thousand new homes so we started to see schemes in the 20s the big one that most people would know would be marino there in north dublin near clontarf and that was built so that's about 1500 houses it was built by four to five different companies one of which was a german company coastal uh, and they built but that was built by Dublin Corporation at the time, but very soon they realised they didn't have the money. The amount of rent that was coming in wasn't enough money to maintain the houses, so they sold them all off really quickly. So you start to see home ownership increase from the 30s, 40s, and private rental decrease. You know, one goes down and the others goes up. Where it really took off, I suppose, it was in the 70s with the advent of mortgages uh, from banks uh, rather than building societies, and the banks would lend you to compete with but each other to it, lend it, it you took, more. It took money. off when the when the when also when the councils gave the right to buy schemes were ramped up as, as hugely as well. You know that well, we, became well. We had rural right to buy in the mid thirties, nineteen thirty two Housing Act, I think, and we had urban right to buy, so the right to buy your council house in nineteen sixty six, hmm. and that yeah, that was very popular. But that really took off in the eighties. But, 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 but now those chickens have come home to roost because it decimated our share of, of well, social housing stock. We've sold about two thirds of all the houses we've built. So we've had 120,000 council houses in the country and we've built about 360 since the foundation of the state. So we've sold off. Two Look, I'm sitting, I'm talking to you guys yeah. in my ex Dublin Corpo house here and it's lovely and it's not very big, but it's cozy and it's not going to fall down. But Larkin, just, just if you're not replacing the stock, you're losing. Mel has yeah. shown that we've been doing that for a number of years. And the, been... and one of the reasons we, we don't replace it is because in 1987 or so, um, Bobby Malloy was the Minister for Finance. We, what, the way we used to build houses, corporate houses, social houses, or council houses, they were officially, the way we used to build them is we'd allow the councils to borrow money mm. and also the state would lend the councils money. And in 1987, that stopped. And they said that if you're going to build a house, it has to be paid for up front, which meant that like nobody pays for a house up front, which meant that you had to have the cash in the bank. The government had to have the cash in the bank to, in order to build a house. And that's, that's bonkers. So councils have been restricted hugely in being able to borrow money. Isn't it funny though? I, I was looking at the I went back and pulled up the old documents and Martin. I was talking to you about this yesterday about the um the origins of cost rental and what became Red Vienna. And mm. that started around 1915 to 1923 as well. And but they chose to they chose to forward price by saying the price of construction, the price of the lending rate was going to be, you know. 0.25 you know above whatever it is and they forward yeah. planned it and that's how they actually were able to say well actually now even the rents were nearly 40 percent lower than the equivalents elsewhere and they but the problem yeah one of the problems we had in ireland as well is that in the in the mid 1960s it starts in cork city area actually cork corporation they introduced what's called differential rents so the rent mm. that you paid is based on your income and that was nowhere near enough to maintain the house mm. uh, and that's the system ever since so we don't, we've never had, so in, in those kind of countries, they've had a rent, the rent that you would pay for a public house will be based on the cost of construction and finance and maintaining it over 30 or 40 years, whatever. Here, it's based on your income. And typically, the income of people in tents and houses is nowhere near enough to pay but, for the cost, but also even over on 40 the, years. But, but also, on the if you take the Vienna model again, after 40 years, a lot of these homes, the, the rents can actually come down because you financed them already out. You've now got yeah. another generation in them. And they're, the, the reason the rents maybe come up a little bit is because you're adding services to them they're adding different yeah. you know or, or, or they'll need a new or they'll need a yeah. new roof or they need a yeah. lift place or whatever but you, that, which but is you, normal stuff yeah. yeah but you'll see it in helsinki like there's a bloody we were talking to um dan nickstrom in helsinki and they were saying one of the data centers that they've built outside of town 
they were mm. like the people are happy enough about it because they've decided to feed the the the, the um the heat it produces into the grid to to, to reduce yeah, people's we, heat bills. Well, they, they do a lot of communal heating in in Helsinki, you see yeah. as well, which we yeah. don't do. So yeah. they can I was just talking to my friend who works for Google. We were talking about that very that very data center last night. Uh, yeah. Just it's just to the west of Helsinki. I think that's where it is. They're near Russia. Yeah. It does the Russian servers basically is what it is uh, <laughs> up there. Um, no, but we don't do that. But the interesting thing about Vienna, so Vienna builds the state of Vienna, the city of Vienna builds about seven thousand new apartments every year. If mm. you go on the housing waiting list there, as a hairdresser, as a professor, as whatever, you'll be waiting about nineteen months mm. to get you, not ten or twelve years. And, you know, everybody who is on that housing list are pretty much just entitled. Then they subsidize them. Right? Like they, they, we don't kid ourselves. Like they they no, subsidize no, private developers to, to do that. Yeah. But it's money well spent. I mean, it's well, of course it is, because it's an investment in, in your citizenry and it, it frees up what we call human capital. OK, like yeah. so. So let's be honest. And it makes like, life affordable for all your life. That's the important yeah. thing. Yeah, you know yeah. the thing we're forgetting here is that when people hit sixty-five and retire, I'm a relatively well-paid public sector worker. My salary will have even more or less half fifty-five percent something like that. And the idea is that I won't have a mortgage to pay then, so yeah. I'll be able to survive on it. You know what happens if I'm paying two and a half grand, you know, two and a half a month, thousand euro a month to some. Canadian pension fund, teachers' pension funds, you know. Well, and I, now I, I have I, to get, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what's going to happen. I saw, I, saw, um, I saw a thing in the US recently where they were offering, I can't remember which state it was, but they were offering uh, reduced sentences to prisoners who would agree to go into, you know, donation programs for maybe if it was organ donation or if it was, uh, if it was, you know, giving them um, blood and things like this. Or, so maybe we can harvest people when they can, can't afford their rent. Well, <laughs> we're busy auto-enrolling people in pension schemes here, right? And the irony is that, you know, you are the, are the tax, Irish taxpayer, we're also enrolling Irish people in pension schemes, but the Irish taxpayer is going to be end up paying Canadian teachers pensions because yeah. if you have all these people renting. Now, we used to forward, we used to help people at the start of their career get housing to help to buy and all that kind of stuff. And then when they retired, they would be able to afford on a mod, to live on a modest state pension. Now, like increasing number of people are going to be renting all their lives. And what the hell are they going to do when they hit 65? They won't. You see, they won't. Yeah, I think you're right. We, we need yeah. to we need to move on very quickly, Lorcan. The we've covered on this podcast uh, a few times, particularly with um, attractive. Vin was talking about it, and I've saw a piece by her t- today in the Irish Examiner. I I've seen um, Fred Logue, uh, a well known <laughs> solicitor, express concerns around the bill, and I know that we've seen everybody knows about the scandals that have come out of on board Planala. But can I ask you for your thoughts on the on the planning bill because it strikes me that I. Even yesterday, the county councils went into the government and they said, we don't like these these plans either. It's 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 not something that we're supporting either. So it, it seems to be universally disliked. Yeah, we have a problem with it. Um, it's 728 pages. I printed it out there the other day. It was like five inches high on my desk, double-sided. It's, it's a massive piece of thing to, thing to go. I, I, I have a submission going into the Arctic Joint Committee on it. I was asked to give a submission on it. One of the key themes that runs through it is the state's, is the attempt to limit public participation in the planning system. Now, already, we are the third worst in Europe after the, Spain, actually, funny enough, and the Czech Republic, for public participation in the planning system. We are officially categorised as have we've moved, actually, in the last 20 years from access information only. In other words, you can only get the basic information to weak engagement. That's where, and, I, that, and that's like, we're still 
really, really poor. Uh, and this bill is like it's obviously hugely influenced by the development industry. It, all sorts of of uh, you know new additions in there to limit people's rights to take a judicial review, to limit people's rights to get access to basic information. You know, there's about eight different sections that I've identified, and it's a deliberate att- attempt. To remove public participation from the planning system, not to increase like, the way you get like this populist nonsense you hear on the radio about oh you know oh, I can my friend out in Alabama he can build whatever he wants in three weeks and oh, that's just absolute nonsense. The way you get infrastructure built is not by restricting people's uh, right to participate because that just ends up in the court. You engage early, you engage often, and more engagement leads to more successful uh, outcomes for infrastructure for housing for absolute living. That's well known the world over, except in Ireland. We're moving very much towards a command and control totalitarian type planning system. It's, it's, We're it's moving a, the wrong direction. It's a, it's a power grab. I mean, in one in should, one, yeah. one one of the ways, um, if the minister's given himself the power to talk to the minister to agree with himself in, in one guise because he can appoint someone, i.e. himself, in a temporary position given that there are board, there are so many vacancies in, on board Planala and he has then the power also to extend that temporary appointment. So, and and, and none of this has, a, you know, there's not even a sunset clause on some of these things. So, yeah, yeah. So no, that's there's, there's, there's a huge amount in it that, that even the, the one that, I think has been missed by the local authorities in, in, in particular is the, it looks to me like, do you know what a development contribution is? So when a development is happening per square meter fee is charged to the developer uh, and it's paid to local authority and that pays for swings and roundabouts and parks and round, you know, roads and footpaths and all that kind of stuff uh, in the locality, not necessarily for that specific development, but it's, it's a huge source of income for local authorities around the country, particularly in large urban areas, you know, um, and it looks like that's been removed from the bill. So that source of, like, we're talking millions and millions and millions of euro every year to a council. It looks like that's been gone. That's been taken out of the bill, as far as I can see. And I don't think the councillors have got that yet. Follow, it through. Have that. Follow it through, Lorcan. If they got something like this across the line, where does that leave us? I'll tell you where it's going to leave you. It's going to leave you with people like Fred Logue retiring at 50 as a millionaire from all the judicial reviews and court cases he's going to end up taking. Because they're... they're, they're this kind of power. I, I'm pretty sure Fred is in his late fifties, and he, I'm only saying that because he listens. <laughs> yeah, he looks well for his late fifties. But you know, I, I like these kind of things. And myself and Fred actually were speaking at a conference in November there in the King's Inns, load of Irishers and myself and Fred uh, doing our thing, and and. Yeah, like the, I, 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 I've a feeling that these kind of things will just end up in the court. And the, the interesting thing about, and I have it in my office submission, it should be up on the website next week, um, is that I'm quoting court cases where the judges have said there's not enough public participation. And the other thing that we forget is the Mahan Tribunal and the Moriarty Tribunal, all about transparency and restricting public participation. If you restrict public participation, you restrict transparency and corruption thrives in the shadows. And that's where we're going with this. Well. Wow. Am I surprised? <laughs> Colour me surprised. But it's, it's, if we're going backwards, though, Martin, like, you know, we're going back 15 we've, years. Isn't forward. it awful to think that we've had the renaissance and we're moving backwards now? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reminded of something that another solicitor likes to say often when he said he doesn't like the word, uh, and it's Simon McGar, he said he doesn't like the word uh, progressive because because you can make things progressively worse. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Like, that's, so, yeah, that's probably uh, an accurate description of what this is. It's really, it's not surprising because like there's huge evidence of regulatory capture in the department already with you know where the the, the, the policymakers are captured by the, the people they're supposed to be regulating and this is just more of us you know you can just mm. spot this a mile away the, the, the kind of 
you know, the cold, dead hands of the the, the, the lobbyists uh, on on this all over this. You know? Oh, I, we, I like we great fun when the that um, the the lady from the the Irish Property Owners Association was on saying that the homelessness stats were overstated because it was you know the NGOs wanted them thus. And mm. I checked the lobbying register and, and noticed that um, the the IPOA rarely rarely. Uh, lobby the housing department they always lobby the minister for finance you know yeah. what does they're, that the only, they're the only people who've ever threatened to sue me uh, and they even made a bag of that yeah they even got that wrong when they wrote into <laughs> me so i had it up in front of my desk for years as a kind of a badge of honor i won't i won't say who but i used to work with somebody and we used to get solicitors letters quite often you know it was that kind of business yeah, and when yeah. somebody'd send us a really crap solicitors letter we'd send them back the better ones and say look this is a much better oh, standard oh, pure game. <laughs> I should have done that. Here's, done that. Here's, here's a template you want. Like, want oh, to no, honestly, it was such yeah. a piss take to do it. It was very good. L- Lorcan, um, last, very last question. And thanks again for your time. Uh, you've referenced the fact that complete that commencements are, are down. You've referenced the fact that it might fall off a cliff. Here's the here's the the, the question because we see all these numbers bandied about. We don't need 30,000, we need 35. We don't need 35, we need 50. We don't need... I'm going to ask you as someone who I know who's been involved in in trying to work out the logistics of housing the mig- people coming in from you know both Ukraine and through the migrant crisis how do we do that with the with the stock that we have currently it's really tricky and actually I've just started a project with the refugee the Irish refugee council there uh, about this because in the in there's a thing called the housing needs demand assessment which is it's a basically a calculating a tool that's used by local authorities to calculate how many houses they need in their area and how many one beds, two beds, three beds, families, all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of the refugee people who come in, um, you know, asylum seekers come in looking for refugee status, and they're not counted in our our need, our housing needs assessments. They're not counted as as people that we might need to house in the future, uh, and and that's kind of wrong. And we need to do that. And whether they appear in one year, don't appear in another, it doesn't matter. You build in what we call surge capacity into the system, so that if people do appear, at least we know where they're going to go and we know what's going to happen to them. But right now, we don't seem to take account of them. If you're asking me, do we count? What are we going to do with them? How are we going to house them? I think you know, Jesus, it's really difficult. And I see, I I, I, I see Roger Gorman every now and then. Uh, they bring me in to talk to him with a couple other people about this. And they, I, I don't have much sympathy for politicians or, or ministers, but I do really feel for him uh, and his officials there and what they're going through. And they are. It looks to me very much like they're being hung out to dry by um, the other ministers. Like the idea that around the cabinet table, he has to ask yet again for people to kind of give up their properties i mean what on earth is going on like that's hardly an all government response that he has to ask for them i mean i think the solution lies in a i think they need a, a scary person who can stand at kind of leo's level or, or Emil martin's level up there with their backing who can bang ministers heads together and say get on with it i know I know, for example, that, you know, in, in the IDA, the properties around the country that are owned by local authorities, any of the top 20 property owning organizations in the state, there's over a thousand of them marked as available. There are organizations that are refusing to hand over properties that get huge state funding every year and they shouldn't be refusing. So, I, I mean, I think a crack at a whip, Tony, I suppose, is what I'd like to see. It's, I don't know, it's depressing, uh, Larkin, we're... we're God, I remember all this. You remember this, man. Tribune, you remember all this. You remember where we were. And yeah. to think that we're not, we haven't really moved forward. And in fact, as far as home ownership is, 
we've moved considerably backward in a society that's entirely predicated upon home ownership. And um, that's really the problem. If we weren't so predicated on, on home ownership, if rental was a norm, we'd have a we'd have an alternative, but we don't. Well, I, th- I think if we had politicians with a bit more backbone, uh, I think we'd be in a much better position. Well, you say backbone, I'd say integrity, moral fiber, whatever. But lovely to have you on again, Lorcan. Lovely to have these conversations. And thanks for the history bit. It's nice to know where we are where we are as such. Thanks, Martin, for having me on. And thanks, Tony, as well. Um, I just want to say that uh, listeners may not be aware of this, but I am going to stand down as the leader of Lefty Irish Twitter because the vacancy has come up as I am going to go. I am. I'm going I'm put myself forward to be the leader of the Sock Dems. Uh, life is too short to be a failure in just one realm, and I'm going to be a failure in that one new in all new ways. Talk to you all very soon, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.